Hey, it's Alan McGuire. And And this is Juvenalia, a podcast where we talk to an interesting person about a bit, about a bit of pop culture that was born to them when they were young. Our guest today is co-host of two million podcasts, including <laughs> The Creep Dive, Mother of Pod, and is there more? That's it at the moment. The, moment. Okay, the well, spill is yeah. on hiatus. Okay. I generously, generously decided to triple back. <laughs> Too many podcasts. Yeah, anyway, that's Sophie White. Hello. Welcome, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Long time listener, first time guest. Yay. Yeah. So you're going to talk to us about something very cool. Tell us what it is. I have picked, after a lot of angsting in the DMs, Freaks and Geeks. Nice. I'm so glad. Yeah. I who doesn't know what Freaks and Geeks is, maybe. Freaks and Geeks is a show that ran famously for one series and it is set in 1980 but it was made in the late 90s with um by Paul Feig who went on to direct and write Bridesmaids and it was executive produced by Judd Apatow who went on to make everything uh 40-year-old virgin knocked up uh, what else did he produce? Think I think he produced that? Girls. Funny people. He, he did exactly yeah. Girls as well, yeah. I mean, he seems to be, the, for a while there, the only man who was getting any old cash to make anything over there in the States. And um, it's also a show that, like, basically was the springboard for an enormous uh, crew of mm. uh, young cast that were then unknowns uh, who went on to become fairly major stars. Were they unknowns? Oh, At were, the time, they, were, yeah, they yeah. were. That was a big part of like putting this ensemble cast together that Paul Feig and Judd Apatow wanted complete unknowns. So the only ones who'd really done much professional acting, James Franco and James Siegel had done a little bit, I think. Yeah. So it's basically like the show is, as I said, set in 1980. And like, I'll start from the pilot because the opening pre credits scene of the pilot is just one of the most brilliantly efficient pieces of storytelling ever I fucking love efficient storytelling <laughs> <laughs> it's so pleasing it's so satisfying you're there like story beat one two three uh, yeah. you, is, is anyone a story beat nerd I think I've just had it beaten into me hey um, <laughs> but basically so the opening shot of Freaks and Geeks uh, is like panning across a football pitch at American high school. You kind of recognize it because obviously, you know, it's more real to us than our Irish national schools that we went to. Mm. So it's panning across a football field to the bleachers, mm. zooms in on a cheerleader and a footballer, and they're like sitting on the bleachers. And she's like, you know, I, I can't remember his name, is like Chad, maybe. Chad, Corey, Dylan, Michael Murray. Chad. <laughs> you have to talk to me, you have to communicate. She's like urging him to tell her how he feels. And then he's like, he looks really like distressed by his feelings. And he's like, it's just, Ashley, I just like you too much. And then the camera just like drops down immediately behind the bleachers to underneath where James fucking ride Franco face on him him, is leaning against the underside of the bleachers Seth Rogen sitting on the ground James uh, Jason Siegel sitting on the ground uh, another guy with a ginger fro and they're talking about this like t-shirt that James Franco got kicked out of church for wearing and like he was like it was just a decapitated head on a t-shirt or something and he was like and the priest wouldn't let me into church and then it kind of like goes like pans beyond them and we see like 
kind of main character of Freaks and Geeks, who's Lindsay Weir, played by Linda Cardinelli. Cardellini. Cardellini, thank you, who went on to be a big star in ER. She's now recently on Dead to Me on Netflix mm. at the moment oh, and having I a knew, renaissance. I knew I knew her face was Yeah, like she's Lindsay Weir. And she's a madman as well, briefly. That's yes. And she is Velma in Scooby-Doo movies. Oh. Ah, yeah. factoid. Um, I, I cannot believe that because I didn't watch ER or Mad Men and I was looking at that extended fucking trailer that keeps playing on Netflix and I'm like who is that down. face like, what is it I, yeah. I, I personally know her like, <laughs> did we go to school there it's Lindsay Weir holy shit and like cool. Lindsay's wearing this like trademark giant oversized like army fatigue jacket yeah. who didn't have one or have else your best one. friend had one yeah. I didn't have the German one I wore a lot of very very large men's shirts and that the physicality that she has in Freaks and Geeks and that real low shoulder stoop and the yeah. big like you're so Swamped terrified of the existence it. of your own body that you just wear bed sheets yeah. you know that is immaculate you can translate that 1980s Americana thing smack bang into like mid noughties fucking Ireland like it's so universal I know and like it shouldn't feel like we shouldn't relate so hard but I think because Ireland is uh, you know or at least certainly was more of a provincial backwater mm. <laughs> when we were growing up that like I would say like I started school in 1990 and I mean it just felt close to our reality that kind of 90s grungy aesthetic and stuff mm. that was like very in Dublin at the time but anyway after we kind of pan beyond Lindsay in this opening sequence so we're like kind of meeting one of our key players like in the under the first minute it's so good you see um the like kind of titular geeks mm. uh which is Sam Weir and um awesome. Neil and oh my god what was Neil's last name again it was so Schweiber. funny yes yeah. Neil Schweiber and uh and oh my god what the hell is um bill haverchuk bill haverchuk yeah, that's great it names. yes yeah. they're real stephen king names aren't and they're like yeah. strolling along like doing a bit from caddyshack i'm pretty sure like yeah. and then one of the like bullies comes up um alan that alan yeah. guy sorry alan no i know there's no good fictional characters called alan I'm <laughs> they're always a bully or a nerd it's fine yeah. um he's your cross up. to bear babe i'm so <laughs> yeah, sorry yeah, for yeah. your troubles <laughs> i got alan grant from jurassic park that's it yeah that's, you know what? that's a great doctor that's alan yeah. grant is yeah. very solid you know anyone with daddy issues really liked him i yeah. think al is a really mm-hmm. kind name I mean, you got fuck Sophie's everyone choice. that's not a great one not so, a great one no. i'm in labyrinth fuck you both <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I think Al's a kind name. Fuck that. Bullies are terrible. Whatever. So Bully shows up and starts giving them some bullshit. Bully shows up and he's like, you really love Bill Murray, don't you, Sam? And Sam's like, clearly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's so good. And then he's like, what are you, Sam? Queer? And then like starts kind of like, you know, trying to like, basically he's like, we're going to have a fight. He starts planning the fight. And um, Lindsay comes over she is Sam's older sister and she tries to play it quite cool like she doesn't totally swoop in but she's like why are you picking on this like 98 pound weekly (laughs) jeez and anyway her and she kind of gets the bully to go away Sam's like thanks I actually weigh 100 pounds and storms off and then like Lindsay and the whole thing is kind of happening like beside this kind of bin at the back of the school and um, then Lindsay Weir's just like, I hate high school. And mm. then it goes straight into Joan Jett. I don't give a damn about a damn oh, reputation. Perfect. Ah, and then they their credits are so good as well. Like, mm-hmm. 
it's just everything you Again, need to know about exactly, each character. It's so perfect. Yeah. So it's them getting their school pictures taken for anyone mm. who's not a fan. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, you just like, it's so just, I don't know, like you spend a couple of seconds on each of their faces and you just know mm-hmm. that like Franco's really stoned. Jason Siegel's like really earnest, but also a total stoner and, mm-hmm. you know, and then Neil Schweiber is the best in it. Like yeah. in that credits, he's like trying to like look really smart and like yeah. he's pissed off because the camera guy takes his pick too fast before he can kind of like own the moment properly. Yeah. Oh no, Bill's yeah. is perfect as well. Oh that yeah. That big nerd smile. Yeah. Oh my God. So like Bill is Martin Starr who, do you watch Silicon Valley? Yeah, yeah. I, I've never oh watched God. it. Oh, he's and writing it. Yeah. I, yeah, I'm yeah. actually going to go and start watching it now. I truly effectively lived it for three years of my life and I can tell you that Silicon Valley does not go far enough. It is so accurate that it's almost mundane it is <laughs> bizarre and I Martin Starr's character is reprehensible in it he's not like actively reprehensible I just know him I just know that character yeah I know I know eight or nine of them and he is a nightmare like he's brilliant he plays vile so well like he is so um grim mm. like he's brought he's got something do you know what I mean like he's really uh he's got some uh like magic skill for being a creep or some shit, you know. I think he's an incredible actor. Incredible actor. Mm. Like, like incredible actor. In that cast, it really was hard to kind of pick, I suppose. Mm. Even now it. looking back, like they're all bangers. Yeah. Like yeah. they're really good and actors. Their chemistry was fucking beautiful as well. But yeah. I think sometimes with Bill, because he's like the kind of gangly, really goofy nerd, mm. and he's got like huge Two magnifying glasses, glasses yeah. and he's got like I mean, I actually love his lips and teeth. Like I love um you know, he just looks go- it's gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. But um, he's it look what he's doing looks like the least hard work almost. Like in mm. that his his social awkwardness kind of reads almost as like he's just that age and that's where he is right now, acting yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah. It's so unusual. But then like looking back at it, I'm like, God, like his timing is amazing. Yeah. His delivery is so good. Oh, um, like him and Sam are both they just seem like actual kids they put into the show Sam's tremendous yeah. the way Sam yeah. reacts to everything he just seems like this face. really earnest little kid yeah. oh my god he looks, he looks so somebody tiny. say yeah. hi Cindy oh <laughs> yeah oh my god like it's just oh, I have like a full body reaction mm. every time he says hi Cindy so like Cindy Sherman is the like um, what a name yeah is it Sherman Sherman like was it Sherman sorry yes yeah Um, Cindy I've got the cast in front of me Cindy Sanders even better even better yeah Um, sorry also shout out to Cindy Sherman Sherman (laughs) great artist (laughs) (laughs) a regular listener yeah yeah, so every time she the kind of cheerleader that Sam adores comes up to them he just has this amazingly like pregnant pause where he like arranges himself so visibly to then be like hi Cindy it literally sounds like it's just like a kind of a little like I've jizzed slightly in my yeah, it's like he's like he's just he's, jizzed ever so slightly he's expressing like 70% of the excitement he's feeling yeah and trying and putting to all suppress his efforts especially on the other 30% yes yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah like the whole I think it's so interesting because the kind of whole show deals with the kind of freaks crowd which is Lindsay and her older friends and then Sam's friends as the geeks and it's like I suppose it's just 
it's interesting in the context of like high school shows and high school movies mm-hmm. that like they don't bother with the cheerleaders or the footballers that much or the kind of popular kids. Yeah. Like they just are, they're practically scenery or props to this, this these mm-hmm. stories, which is kind of interesting. And we, you and I, Sarah, were talking about like what else was around at that time. So like for me, that opening sequence between the footballer and the earnest cheerleader is like lifted from Dawson's Creek. It has mm. all of the angst yeah. of a Dawson's Creek moment. It's like One Tree Hill is a little bit later, but it's, it's One Tree Hill it's vibes. Yeah. 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 But you're literally subverting it. Exactly. It's like, I mean, yeah. they let us for like about a split second think, oh, we're going to have a Dawson's Creek sort of vibe here yeah. and then it just Sa- immediately undercut yeah. and also the going down exactly yeah. like he down the social hierarchy I was just running through the cast there and having a look at the faces to get really like oh my god I'll tell you why I didn't the go back and watch stars. it again and I'll, I'll get into that later because I fucking loved it mm. and and uh, like it resonated me with me in a way that is um kind of like quite profound Busy Phillips do we see her initially or does it she's she not in, in the credits because in she's not pilot. in school. No, she is, yeah. Is she? But she, in the pilot, she basically was given a kind of like guest starring right. um, credit. And they were like, oh, you'll be a series regular if it gets picked up. Yeah. Ah. So that's why she's never been, even though she appears in every episode. Yeah. And she has nearly as much screen like, time on, more yeah. than some of the guys. Yeah. Totally, yeah. It's a bit like some of the big stars that weren't even saying the central ensemble, like Shia LaBeouf's in it. Yeah. And he's, absolutely deadly he's about yeah. like 14 and he plays the yeah, school yeah. mascot and he has like he's and he's like he's this really kind of like slightly nihilistic sort of school mascot <laughs> 14 year old so good Rashida Jones no. is excellent she stars in the fourth episode called it's an, it's an episode that like people come back to a lot as their touchstone episode although it is not my favourite mm. but it's called Kim Kelly is my friend and uh and like, who else was in it? Like, um, Jason Schwartzman is in it. As Jason the, Schwartzman, the big ID guy. Yeah. Ben Stiller is one of the best, I think, cameos. Um, when do you remember when Bush comes at the end of the series? Oh, Bush seen that comes. One. Like two episodes I haven't seen. Yeah. Ah, yeah. yeah so yeah. Ben Stiller plays one of um, uh, Vice President Bush's uh, security men. Oh, okay. Yeah. And he he's a complete amazing asshole. And then he has this like inc- like hilarious crisis of kind of confidence and like, what is what am I doing with my life? Mm. It's really funny. Um, and it's an episode where we get to like really get to know Jeff Rosso, who is the guy, kids guidance counselor in school. Yeah. So he's like, you know, yeah, the yeah. kind of like ex hippie, mm-hmm. Jesus kind of looking guy. He's freaking hilarious. He gets some of the best kind of lines, I oh, think, yeah, yeah. you sure, know. Yeah. Do you think he, because div- div- you see a lot of those kind of characters in things about high schools, but I think his was like probably, was it, it wasn't the, it wasn't the first hippie guidance counselor, was he? Or, but he was just sort of the definitive television hippie guidance counselor. I don't know if I think of them as being generally hippies. Like I'm always thinking of like Miss Perky in 10 Things I Hate About You is um, Alison Cheney. Do you remember her? She's the guidance oh, yeah. counselor in it and she's writing erotic fiction all the way through the movie. It's so good. Um, I'm trying to think of other guys. Who was the guidance counselor in Sabrina? She brings up quite pointedly because Sabrina was on my list. Uh, no and then Sabrina yet. Yeah, they have. Kira, fuckface Knight, as she's known. That's an old one, though, isn't that it? That is very old, yeah. yeah, uh, yeah but yeah. it doesn't matter Cassie's because... Cassie's head just lifted from the desk <laughs> like, what the... <laughs> <laughs> Kira would only love that 
I am a frequent liker and commenter on in her Instagram. We are we know each other. I was very upset every when so I saw often, that Sabrina a, had been done. Well, every so often there's an old episode. I'm like, we didn't know. I'm like, no, sir, that was an Ellen episode. And I was like, oh, I just wasn't there. <laughs> oh, oh, so uh, I know. No, I was around. We just tagged in and out. You know what I mean? So sometimes I look I have to look back through and go, oh, we did do all those ones. No, you did it. I was yeah. very upset. But I have a connection. You probably know. Paul Feig played Mr. Poole. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah. On Sabrina. And Paul Feig is the writer of Freaks and Geeks. That's Paul Feig. That's Paul Feig. <laughs> Isn't that cool? I <laughs> never knew that. That's absolutely insane. <laughs> yeah. I had such a good time going back to look at all Mr. Poole scenes. But that's that's a separate episode of Juvenalia <laughs> with <Mr>. Kira. <laughs> not Folkface White. Um <laughs> But yeah, I'm trying to think of more of the amazing cameos because they were so good. And I mean, there is also like, um, not a bloody, I want to say, what the hell is her name? Millie. Do you remember Millie? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So Linda Cardinelli's character, Lindsay Weir, had this like ex-friend because basically Lindsay's kind of arc of the series was that she was like an ex-mathlete and like a kind of an honor roll student who like wanted to get in with uh, the freaks Mm. and in the start of the series it's sort of James Franco's character um, Daniel Desario such a good hot man name name, (laughs) it's up there with Jordan Catalano it's all just Italian like names, man. oh it's yeah, Italian names. Like, Jesus, and he's so unwashed. He's like heavily <laughs> <Yeah>. unwashed. <laughs> now looking back at it, I'm like, wow, that's greasy. Yeah, and he, he kind of ushers her in. He, he also is quite gaunt. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and he has like all the kind of like dark charisma of like Heath Ledger's Joker. That's a real life. That's an amazing statement. I've never <laughs> made quite a like a large reach there, but yeah. come with me on that journey. I'm coming with you. I'm with yeah, you. Come with us. Um, and so, like, Daniel Desari is the one who's kind of bringing Lindsay in first. And basically, yeah. like, she's sort of friends with them, but, like, they're constantly, like, sort of making fun of her or, like... That is such an... That's she, what I love. It's so close it's, to the real experience oh, of trying to hang around with lads when you're a teenage girl. Yeah, they, they just kind of despise your existence, but they'll still bring you out anyway. Or, no, they want you there, but they don't they know don't how to cope you. with you. Yeah. Oh, they don't know a, how to not slag you. kind of way of looking at it. They don't know yeah. how to not slag you. Yeah. yeah. And then, like, Jesus. and even, like, you want to say, like... Oh, so many of those scenes where they're like out smoking out the back of the school or something and she's like gearing up to kind of try saying something to the group and Mm. it is like, I can feel it powerfully Mm. in my bones. That awkwardness. I just remember it like more vividly than anything. Just be like, I'm going to say that thing about, I'm going to ask if anyone watched Friends last night and you're like, do it, come on. And then someone else would say something, and you'd be like, "I didn't say anything. I didn't get to say." It. You know what I mean? Years, like, years and of it's poor delivery. Too I feel real. Yeah. It's like, oh, it's so good. Spent so much of those years just learning how to fucking talk to other humans. <sighs> yeah, like truly do. Like no amount of charisma in the world can balance out the sheer awkwardness of being a teenager in any capacity. And I think that that, yeah, like freaks and geeks, can't like it fucking. And that's why people only communicate by slagging each other. Do you know what I mean? It's so much easier. It's so much easier. <laughs> you just need to stick with that. I think Dairy Girls does it very well as well. We yeah. say horrible shit to each other yeah. all the time. And they're all armed equally. Was it? Did we say that they each have the same set of weaponry? Nobody is out-armed by each other. They have eight words that they use to describe each other and they don't go any further than calling each other dicks. <laughs> and uh, 
so it doesn't feel mean or tense but I think Freaks and Geeks can move into feeling it can tense feel and mean. quite mean like and it tense. can feel really cruel in a way mm. that is more um authentic I think totally and the way the relationships change like within the gang of friends over the series I think feels really real yeah, yeah. because like there's a sense at the beginning that like Lindsay kind of fancies uh Danny Desario James Franco like and then like later in the series she gets a James Siegel and like that felt really real to me I thought like that's such a James teenage Siegel's dynamic arc is really fucking sad isn't it oh James he's Siegel's amazing really yeah. Yeah, James oh sorry James yeah. his arc <laughs> that that whole the the we can't really get into his arc later but that was still it's still very sad mm. to me his arc it's very fucking sad really I'm yeah, like if I'm thinking the right if I'm thinking <laughs> yeah, the right story now school. Yeah, 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 yeah yeah but he wants to be a fucking drummer yeah. yeah and he thinks he has all these hopes and dreams but he literally just and this is the, the ugliest sentence to say aloud he just didn't have the time he didn't have it he didn't have the thing right but he like just, you're that, totally skipping over the yeah. amazing um, like disco kind of oh. period oh yeah that's at the very end, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always thought the disco thing kind of redeemed his um his kind of trajectory a bit. Yeah. Because yeah, I thought like for what his character has is very close to what I suppose Jason Siegel, the actor, appears to have, which is like a, a kind of level of earnestness that mm. it feels I, brave. Like I think if you've grown up in the 90s, earnestness is like one of the scariest things you can conceive of oh, earnestness feels radical like yeah the last 10 years yeah. yeah yeah like we're major believers in sincerity on here here on juvenile in case, in case anybody <laughs> hasn't copped it by now but like i do think that being earnest is fucking really risky yeah radical. yeah but i also am it here for people who aren't sarcasm is fucking easy do you totally. know what i mean yeah it's so cheap whereas earnestness has a much higher kind of Oh Wait, yeah, and I think that that's nineties like that that's, is it's the nineties hangover yeah. like is just the so absolute terror. Like, we get it. Y'all watch The Simpsons for sincere. a decade. Are you sarcastic? Well done, good job. Keep moving, be kinder. Do you know what I mean? And I think that coming out of that and turning into a generation of adults who make uh, the, like the modern cartoons and modern TV shows are all deeply sincere in what they do. Like mm. I think there's a, there's a huge generation of television being made by people our age, which is a complete response to cynicism and sarcasm mm, you know yeah, yeah. so I think we are uh, as millennials uh, antidoting that vibe yeah you I think we're kind of undoing it a bit defo and it's I think that's what like Jason Siegel's character like despite like his yeah he ends up going to middle school he has like a super drum kit yeah. he loves drumming he's terrible yeah. um, oh dude that just hurts but all of me, that like. just feels quite joyful to me because I think I was like oh my god he's just absolutely winning because he's trying yeah. whereas I think especially in adolescence like I was completely paralyzed when I was a teenager like I couldn't cope with trying any to do anything for fear of embarrassment or failing do you know what I mean so I always remember seeing his character and thinking like that he was like a real kind of like backbone of the show of being this like kind of outlier who want was just so into his own things do you know that kind of way that's really hopeful maybe if I went back and watched it again you might have fresh eyes at the time I felt a really profound sadness for it yeah, you know, like this is I I can't I can never watch anything kind of in halves. <laughs> yeah. That's why I can't go back to watch Freaks and Geeks because I'm not emotionally capable of going back through it because it was just like it racked me, and uh, a part that part of that was that aspiration versus ability thing. Yeah, um, he was going to military school, you know, and like you know though, like 
it's not real well no <laughs> no I was going to say I was going to say he might have like left military school gotten into some community theatre mm. he I think that he could have been really happy. I, I am sure. <laughs> Nick Andopoulos. I am sure. Nick's out there and he definitely has like a really nice wife. They still go disco dancing on Thursday nights. Yeah. They have, I'd say, like I'd say like seven kids. Yeah, many children. Many children. Yeah, many and children. I'd say he's super encouraging of all their like cool pursuits. Yeah, he has a band with some other dads and they're not good. But they're just yeah, have fun. they're not good. They're there for the crack. I'm, this is yeah. hard. I know. I have such a soft spot for Nick Andopoulos. Mm. I'm going to get even more sincere here because he is my husband. Uh, yeah. Except my husband's actually a decent drummer. <laughs> Pretty decent drummer. But they're so similar in that I think it's just a kind of... Uh, like uh, it's kind of like being a prodigy in having confidence do you know what I mean like it's kind of it's just nobody has confidence at that age and if the people who do they shine and they're not the people who are like in terms of the social hierarchy at the top of the pecking order I always remember a guy I went to school with he was a mad saxophone player he loved his music and like Everyone would go to the house parties and be playing Beat the Slapper and it was terrifying yeah. and I hated it. And I always remember Alex would bring his sax to parties and like I have such a like nice happy memory of being at this party when I was about 15 and it was like in some like real, real sad, like shit estate and everyone was just like hated life because they were 15. And Alex was walking up the back of the garden on his own playing the saxophone like with utter joy and it was I like can't. oh my god what an absolute legend like, like, a legend, like yeah. yeah like a legend and that's who Nick Andopoulos is to me like you know the way he's yeah. like so obsessed with like John Bonham and stuff like that yeah, like yeah. one of the his first line in the whole series is like I've seen God his name's John Bonham and he plays drums for Zeppelin and it is such a good iconic introduction to a character and uh yeah, I just love the way he loves so much. But then you cannot discuss his powerful love oh. without talking about his love for Lindsay Weir. Yeah. I'm going to, I oh, need to man. talk about the spoken, <laughs> the spoken word love proclamation. Do you remember this? I, I remember the song that he wrote. I remember the, the other bit. So... At one, oh yeah, so good. So when him and Lindsay Weir get together kind of later in the series, they kind of bring a bit more like comedy and uh, a kind of slightly more surreal slant to Nick Andopoulos where he kind of like, it's quite funny, he has her over some Friday night when his parents have gone out. So anyway, Nick Andopoulos <laughs> invites Lindsay Weir over for a free gaff because his parents are out. And um, he they, they even kind of like these scenes slightly differently and it feels like they're shooting them from like a slightly kind of more like Wes Craven place or something yeah. and they start giving him ever so slightly stalker vibes Wes Craven's freaks and geeks Wes Craven's freaks and geeks <laughs> um, sorry I'm somewhere in the corner with Mike again sorry <laughs> she's just slumped in a puddle of emotions I know I actually am yeah this is too too real I love how real. intense this is for you oh yeah no nothing ever comes to small doses so it's all it's all, it's all or nothing like. so anyway he brings her into the house and he he leads her down to the basement and like to say he has gone overboard with the candles mm -hmm. it's yeah, like yeah, yeah. Uh, it's like she's walked into some kind of sacrificial <laughs> ceremony 
It's so good. And Lindsay's like not the kind of like doe-eyed, seduced by romantic stuff. She's kind of muted. She's quite... Like she's an intellectual person and you know, I like that too because the expected teenage girl thing would be to like swoon. swoon. Yeah. But instead she's like, Okay. And she sits down and he says that like basically he can't even put into words how he feels about her. So um he's but he's come up with a way to communicate his feelings and he puts on Lady by Sticks and and like sing sing talks the lyrics at her. My skin's leaving my body. Lady. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Oh, it's so good. And she's just like, after like, he does about two verses, she's like, want to make out? Yeah. <laughs> like, oh my God. I need to put my mouth on your mouth he to stop this. This looks like a terrible kisser. Do you know? Like, I feel like there's mm. just so much of... He's too real, like, do you know what I mean? I feel like I've gone out with him, you know what I mean? Like, uh, that intensity. Some of us got married to them. I'm sure, like... I highly recommend. <laughs> no, it's, it's, that intensity is absolutely, like, it, it's skin crawly for me. It's mm. skin crawly and, like, I, 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 oh, oh. Say that, I remember that bit and I, uh, I'm there, man, I'm there, like... <laughs> And honestly, the best way to situations like that are just going for the shift. It'll make them stop. You know? Just make them stop. <laughs> make them stop. Make them stop. Just so. d- deprives them of oxygen yeah. so they cannot <laughs> keep talking. Talk sing. Talk sing. Sticks at you. Sticks. <laughs> oh my God. One thing I love is how she gets over Daniel. It like, it happens pretty much immediately. Mm. The episode where he gets her to cheat on a test for her. Yeah. And, caught. Yeah. and he like tells her this like sob story. Yeah. To convince her to lie for him. Yeah. And then he tells the same story like word for word to a teacher in front of her. Yeah. Just like, oh, I see who this man is now. And she just starts laughing in his face. Yeah. In, in, Which that's is an amazing brilliant. reaction. It's such a great yeah. moment. It's so good. Yeah. And because you want her to be cool. Mm. And even though she's like on paper, not cool, she is very cool when it comes to like her moral compass is quite like firm, I think. And she's, yeah, and she's sees straight through him like and he looks like a vampire and he is basically a psychic vampire in that he like you know he's totally willing to like suck the life out of whoever he needs Mm. but I think his arc's quite good too because like he's like massively redeemed at the end Um, when that's it kind of at the end like the kind of groups have disbanded slightly and reshuffled yeah, yeah into kind of new spaces where exactly as you were saying on our miniature Spice Girls live review also uh, catch that at Tall Tales Podcast <laughs> always call back to podcasts that this are not the one we're doing yeah, yeah, yeah. but basically you were saying how you know you, you kind of end up sliding between these kind of personas that were yeah. peddled to us as such firm kind of templates to of live by yeah. Life, yeah and so instead all our freaks and geeks have exactly as you said kind of mingled and reshuffled and Daniel Desario becomes head of the geeks I think <laughs> which I, is so good because he loves Dungeons so and Dragons yeah place where he can go and like mm. fucking thrive and be creative and like and he's, even, a, he's a dungeon master isn't he's he he's the well. dungeon yeah. master and it even makes all the sense in terms of say in that earlier episode when he's an excellent actor yeah mm. and then it makes all the sense that he like is a geek and good at dungeons and, and dragons when he tries to be a punk and he does like punk cosplay it's yeah. like oh he has like an imagination for like this fan- fancy stuff he's been like a fancy punk yeah, in that yeah, episode, yeah, yeah. but actual fancy fancy is where he's actually where Meant he to belongs be. yeah, needs yeah. to go yeah and totally. that's that's a nuance that you don't kind of that it, it's 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 not cheap 
that kind of nuance is like you don't that's not where mm. you expect him to land mm. but of course that's where he lands you know? and same it's so Rogan, it's actually. built so slowly mm. that it's really effective sorry what were you going to say uh, same with Seth Rogen's character where yeah. he's just so angry the whole time mm. and mm. it's just just the music wasn't there for him until he found punk it's like yeah. oh he's a punk he's been a punk this whole time it just it just it just hadn't landed he just for he him. didn't know that was where he's his energy such, could go such a cuter oh Rogan, such a cutie yeah. oh my god god do you know who I was going to talk about was Alan the um, bully who mm. ends up basically want like his kind of arc is that he wants to be friends with Sam and Neil and uh like I think that's really clever like there's mm. no I think there's just no lazy character yeah. in the whole mm. of Freaks and Geeks yeah. like they're all so incredibly realised and like Battlestar Galactica like that where everyone is kind of nuanced and flawed mm. and huge and they all kind of they're not characters they're people and I think totally. it's so seldom in television that you get a fully rounded experience mm. and I don't I think this is why the season couldn't exist for more the show couldn't exist for more than one season because it's a novel it's a perfect, bo- it's a perfect bottleneck mm. you don't need any more you don't want anymore. Being able to show that much dimension and depth in such a short space is really exact. Like you don't want to know what happens after he kind of, cl- you know, you, you don't want to go too far with that. Yeah, know? yeah. Like you can, you can see so much dimension in them in this short little space that I think to go any further would be to spoil it, mm. you know, to ruin it or something. I mean, I could have... I could have gone a bit further. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I feel like there's loads of like people that were a bit underserved in the first series that could have had brilliant second series. Like mm. I love, have love, to love Harrison. No, Harris. Do you remember Harris? He is the original dungeon master before Franco oh, yeah. James yeah, over. Yeah, yeah. He's and he's completely zen. Completely wise zen yeah, wise yeah. geek. And he's got this stunning Farrah Fawcett blowout, blow dried hair. Yeah. And he's got this like pitch perfect adolescent man whispery little whisper mm. of a moustache it looks like the softest oh, yeah. downiest yeah. lip hair I've ever seen mm-hmm. and like he's got a you know a lady friend that he refers to in this quite kind of like 50 year old man sort <laughs> of way when my lady friend so I, I feel like characters like Harris Millie I love Gordon Gordon is the very dry friend who he's introduced as like he's the kind of like unfortunate guy he's overweight and he eats alone at lunch and he smells that's his Mm. initial entry to the group of geeks and sam wants to like tell him that he smells like to try and help him yeah and it then ends up being this brilliant reversal where gordon's like super confident guy and he's like it's genetic i can't do anything about it what do you think i didn't know i smelled and it's such a great again reversal sort of you know surprise surprise yeah. tack change Every nothing so often is ever things... predictable with with the route they take to these things and that's, you know? it, it goes back to that initial moment of it's under the bleachers everything mm. uh, interactions like that and and revelations like that are the minute where the camera pans down mm. do you know what i mean it's all revelation and all surprise all the way down and like even the especially leading up to that like the last few scenes in it it might as well be the same thing happening again where you're just like looking under things mm. Good. So maybe maybe there could have been a second season that focused on peripheral st- peripheral peripheral cast and reshuffled and yeah. looked things differently. But my fear, authentically, is that Netflix are going to commission like a reunion, and it's going to be trash water, oh. and it'll ruin everything. You know? God no! Yeah. Why why would you put that in my head? Yeah, I don't it's think going to happen because nothing every, is sacred. They're all it's very busy. Like even true. Sam is like I didn't realize how successful he is. He um directed co directed Game Night, oh, and co wrote that and co wrote the uh, the new Spider Man movie. Homecoming. Really? Yeah, yeah. He's like a super successful screenwriter. Huh. 
Yeah. Uh, so that's John Francis Daly. Yeah. Ah. And then everybody else is obviously, you know everybody else for being still very famous for other things. But he's like directed game night, the best comedy of like last year. 2015, oh. they got the whole cast together oh, for a re- so reunion amazing. shoot with Vanity Fair. I saw that. I just got the pictures up there. He yeah. actually hasn't changed, John Francis Daly. He has the same face. It's so funny because when I watched face. it, like when I was a kid and it was on when I was about 12 and 13 going to secondary school. And like, so it was so kind of like, you know, immediate for me. Um I was going from the exact world that was set in, even if it looked a bit different. You know, the feel of that world. Mm. It doesn't matter if it's Dublin or if it's like Chippewa yeah. uh, or whatever. Where they're in, is it? Is it Michigan? Michigan, yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, I remember fancying Sam Weir like as my first time out with Freaks and Geeks because I was probably closer to his age. Yeah, yeah. And then, like, obviously the second time I was like, oh, Nick Andopoulos. <laughs> oh, hello. Um, but yeah, it's like you kind of, you move with it almost from yeah. the Geeks to the Freaks. But that's what happens. As that, that's like a sign of one of those shows that you hold or as you go back and you get a different experience. Yeah. You, know, you, grow, you literally grow up with it. Yeah. And you can see it oh, yeah. from like a different vantage point later. It's like I missed know? it first time because it used to be on Friday nights on RT2. Mm. And that was when I was like 15 And that was like the time when I was moving from being a geek to a freak ah. So I was actually out with all my freak friends when it was on So I was like knew I was like oh I'm probably going to like that if I watch it But I was never around to watch it Yeah This is what I wanted to ask you guys Freaks or geeks? Geek forever man Absolutely Yeah Like massively geek I was totally geek but I was like yeah. um, In the not, There wasn't really a freak group in our school but Like the confident guitar playing people Mettlers, Alan's a Mettler. Not, not Mettlers. No, you are, sorry. No, no, no it was like Radio Mettlers. Mettler. Hey, hey, I'm here yeah. for you. It was Radio Mettlers. <laughs> I'm here for you, don't worry, I'm here for you. Yeah. I married a Mettler. <laughs> so it was like, they were super confident and I kind of was vicariously confident through them because I'm not confident at all. Mm. So, no, have a but also they were like are. friends with girls, so I actually had friends who were girls for the first time around then as well. Who And actually, th- there wasn't a sl- it wasn't a slagging group actually, really, like kind. you were saying. Yeah. yeah, everybody was like nice to each other. Mm. Everybody was really, really funny, so they didn't need to slag maybe, I think. Which was uh, we just did. Yeah. Uh, I say we, but there is. I was the only communications style of my house and stay for years. But no, I definitely would say f- I. I would like to have been somebody who had enough social cash or, or like cash or like to to be like a an edge of some sort. But don't, I'm edgeless. I'm a soft creature <laughs> and 100 percent a geek. Like there is there. Do not be fooled. I am pathologically uncool and always have been. Like I. I feel that experience of those those lads moving through at odds with things. Mm, like, yeah, I'm still there. Yeah, you know, and like I definitely all those horrific experiences of like the first broaches into intimacy where you're just like uh, everything is gross and bad, but also like all of that the the Nick and Lindsay stuff like definitely happened and like and whatever, but it did not happen in a way that was in any way cool. It was all so much less cool than that. (laughs) I mean, it uh, never feels cool when it's happening to you. Even in retrospect, man, I can't, I can, I I actually don't, I I still think, and that's kind of where I live now too. And I'm pretty, I'm I'm, I'm at peace with it as I get older. Like those are my people. Yeah. They're my people. I think it's so interesting how like your teenage stuff will continue to feel more real to you than your childhood stuff, your 20s stuff, or your 30s stuff. You spend a decade decade being a teenager. 
Yeah. Or, you know, nine years top to tail. But I think you must feel it on some kind of cellular level where mm. it like literally builds up who you're ultimately going to be in a way that the things that happen in your 20s don't so much. You're a teenager. Mm. I, I spent a lot of time writing about being a teenager, unfortunately. Mm. Uh, so I get to explore all of this in, <laughs> in extreme detail. <laughs> Too much detail for, a for your mental Fucking wellness. We have to write about people in their 20s now. Much easier. <laughs> but when you're a teenager, um, I say easier. It's not. It's all horrible. <laughs> but uh, when you're a teenager, everything is happening to you for the first time. Mm. And I think that that really, on a, like on a molecular level, you're dead right. The first time that you have anything, that you do anything, the first time you open a can, the first time you go to a housing estate over from your housing estate to meet lads. Yeah. The firsts and the point at which those firsts meet you invariably, for better or worse, do turn you into who you are. Mm. So I think no matter how all of us leave behind the kind of chrysalis of being a teenager, there is still flecks of it running through us. And mm. even if that's not how we're perceived in the world, I am always going to feel like a 16 year old, mm. so, you know, especially socially, mm. you know? Yeah. Like that is, that's it, you know? And uh, I actually don't think that that's necessarily a bad thing either, because I think if you stay in touch with that, it keeps you, for me anyway, it keeps me like open. Yeah. And curious. Yeah. And receptive. Receptive. Yeah. That's totally true. And not snide or like open to learning or mm. something. Being like, well, there's, I'm sure there's plenty of things. I st- well, obviously, there's plenty of fucking things I haven't experienced yet. Mm. But being open to firsts again of different kinds and shapes or treating things as though we are, they are a first. Mm. Like, this goes back to earnestness again. Totally. Because I don't think there's anything more fucking earnest than a 15 or 16 year old girl. Do you know what I mean? Like that, that, that is pure earnestness underneath all of the performance and dazzle. Yeah, yeah. There is a beating heart of earnestness in there. Yeah. I think to go back, uh, just for reference, Spice Girls was last night. I yeah, think that's, I think yeah, that's yeah. what we yeah. saw. That's what we yeah. saw at Spice Girls last night. Everybody just unlocking that again. The hands yeah. on the chest. Yeah. The hands on the chest. Yeah, that's that is it. earnest teen, because nobody loves in this fucking world like teenage girls do. Mm. Nobody makes... Nobody makes success stories or legends or icons the way the teenage girls do. And it's all earnestness. And I think if you walk away from ever having been a teenage girl, you lose that. But if you stay there, I think you're all right, you know? Yeah. I like how, I don't know if you guys remember this from secondary school, but I remember getting into secondary school and like being faced with a group of people who were my peers essentially my mm. age they were in my class or whatever you know I went to a big enough secondary school there's about 150 people in my year and it was mixed my national school had been all girls so I was like this is a really genuinely different mm. society here and I remember having the sensation that everyone else there knew what they were doing and what they were about and what this was supposed to be like yeah. mm. and uh, it's so funny now thinking back and being like that was just a strange microcosm created like almost like magical thinking out of the minds of extremely confused young mm. individuals bags of hormones Totally. And that make to me makes teenagerhood, adolescence seem so magical to me because Mm. and I was lucky. I do recognize that I was so lucky with my friends, Mm. with the group that I was in and even the people in my year, even though there was very much a very delineated separate groups Mm. and there was jocks. It was so kind of like. Actually, yeah. very American high Kamogi school. Camogie players, Quailgores. Like. There was jocks. There was the drama people. Like, to be honest, for us, the geeks and freaks um, all, like, were very mingled in mm. my year. Yeah, and so I was yeah. firmly in that group. Somebody wrote, Sophie. Sophie's a 
smelly goth, you know, carved it into a desk. Yeah, you know that shit? Yeah, we were definitely kind of goth-ish. But I don't remember ever caring what the kind of the other groups were up to. Because in my mind, it was all about these people in my in this group. And I was like, how do they all know how to be and how to act and what to do? Mm. And if I just watch them carefully enough I guess I'll pick it up mm. and now I'm like god that's frightening we were all watching each other yeah. to figure out how to be and what to do and how to act and like really similar to your group Alan the way you were saying like there wasn't this kind of like strange alpha energy where everyone was trying to I don't know better each other's mm. jokes or whatever everyone was very nice in our group too and also there was so much passion and earnestness mm. because there was like I do remember so vividly like some of the smartest people in the year were among that f- group of friends you know and like we the art freaks were all lumped in with that too and that was like me and my friend Jen we wanted to go to art college and like you know so we kind of just shoved in that group and then we had like the manga gang they were kind of shoved in do you know what I mean and we had and we were in international school so loads of people did the international baccalaureate Mm. instead of the leaving cert and we got the IB people as well so we were fucking very diverse too (laughs) it was very fucking exciting we had some Asian kids you know like it was cool and I remember like seeing Freaks and Geeks as being not at all set in the 1980s like to me it felt utterly contemporary contemporary isn't that funny with the 90s and I suppose that's probably like just we were just about that last crew that didn't have phones like all the way through even college um, you know phones and computers you didn't have your own yet yeah and uh, and I always think of it now like my dad loved Freaks and Geeks as well. Like it was a, such a thing that the two of us used to watch together. And it was really interesting because we used to watch The Wonder Years together. Oh. And The Wonder Years was his Freaks and Geeks. Totally. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And so then to... it was almost like he delivered. He he told me to watch Freaks and Geeks. He's like, there's this new show on. I think you're going to really like it. I watched it much later. I watched it much later. And I would. I think I probably would have benefited from it hugely. Aesthetically, yeah. I feel like everyone I knew dressed like them. But I feel mm-hmm. like I, I had a, a large social group in my housing estate. Mm. Um, there was 40 of us born in the same two kind of years, three years. Whoa. And then there was a generation that were five or six years older than us. Sounds so, like a cult. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Got out of it though. <laughs> it was uh, Jonestown in Jobstown. Yeah, Jonestown in like one wild night. Um, <laughs> it was, yeah, and it's funny because tr- trying to explain that was, it. Yeah, the, the car key party yeah. in Kilbarrick. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Well, it wouldn't fucking surprise me. Uh, but there's loads of us. And uh, I, I brought uh, somebody who hadn't been into my estate before through it and pointed out all the houses. And I'm not joking, it's 40. And... Um, I think the coincidence of being born into a generation of people doesn't necessarily mean you're all going to like each other. I'm always baffled by people who had a nice time in school. Mm. Do you know? I'm like, really? You did it? You managed it? Yeah, yeah. You had a good time? And I think it's pure roll of the dice. Yeah, yeah. so roll of the dice. I would say Jen O'Dwyer, who co-hosts The Creep Dive and Mother of Pie, is the the sole reason. Sole reason I had a nice adolescence. Mm. Like, she, I genuinely, she saved me endlessly yeah. from being more bullied than I was. Yeah, <laughs> do you know what I mean? You find one. Like, my pal yeah. Steph would be a bit like that. My pal Helena. Like, the three of us were pretty firm. And, mm. like, on Christmas Eve, me and Steph go... We used to go to the pub in the village. And... Uh, then we didn't it got too crowded and the people like we started growing older and younger younger years from the school started going and it was teeming and then we went to the other pub further down the estate and then we were like do we ever like any of these people i don't think we did actually the last few years we've just gone to the coast and drank a bottle of wine on the coast together Mm. because it's like moving it's like realizing that 
walking into the pub to see everyone who went to school with a Christmas actually yeah. it's fucking stupid and do so the old you find your one person look up and down yeah how are you what are you doing with yourself yeah I fucking know man like yeah <laughs> not talking to you for much longer <laughs> and uh, so that it's, it's that you find your life raft Mm. You know, and that's the glimmery thing about being in school. Like, so freaks or geeks, there is still like a, and this is my worry about going back to the show. I'm like, if they bring it back, who's still talking to each other? Who's <sighs> still in touch? Well, Busy Phillips yeah. threw Franco under the bus yeah. in her book. Yeah. Um, it yeah. sounds deservedly so. But. In real life? Like, yeah. what? What did she, what, what? She, in her book, there's like a kind of a passage where she describes how he kind of like shoved her really roughly to the ground <gasps> in front of cast and crew. And basically, she didn't really have a good word to say about working with him. Oh, no. Um, that's in her book. Uh, this will only hurt a little. Whoa. Is yeah. that what it's called? I think so, yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Um, I always confuse it with that Adam Kay book because uh, they came out at the same this time. This only hurt a lot. Yeah. Is that what it's called? <laughs> it's gonna, this is going to hurt or yeah, something yeah. like that. <laughs> They're very similar. Extreme sting on the title. Yeah, yeah, so I don't know if they'd get those two back together. Mm. Um, but it's so interesting because, like... I don't, They've all just gone on to these yeah. incredible careers. And I don't know whether that's like Judd Apatow having an amazing eye for talent or actually a kind of nepotism that Judd Apatow kind of rose. And like... I think there might be a bit of that. Yeah. yeah. There always is. And one of them, I can't remember who, maybe it was, uh, it might have been Jason Siegel basically saying that like because they had had this kind of almost persecution narrative around the demise of the series, mm. um, which if you ever read anything about Freaks and Geeks, it's always mentioned within the context of it being cut after one series and how it was constantly given terrible time slots and it was never able to find its audience. And it's like the best show that ever, the best show that never was kind of thing. And uh, it's like Jason Siegel, I think, was the one who described in some interview about how Judd Apatow kind of basically made it his life's mission to make every single one of them hugely successful as a massive fuck you to the executives uh, in I think it was NBC uh, check that because that's kind of yeah, important was, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah to basically as a massive fuck you for yeah. cancelling them after 12 episodes well like he put all of them in on the, well he tried to put all of them in on clear but a lot of them ended up guest starring in it and then he mm. put Seth Rogen in a small part in 40 year old virgin mm. then put him in knocked up John Francis Daly put Martin Starr into Spider-Man. Yeah. And they've, they've all put Martin Starr in everything over the years. Yeah, to super Martin bad and knocked off. Yeah, and yeah. Basically until he got Silicon Valley. Like they all, they've, yeah. they're really tight knit, I think. Yeah, yeah, and I think Seth Rogen wrote super bad during Freaks and Geeks era. Yeah, it started anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and certainly like no bad thing to be working for Paul Feig and Judd Apatow when you're writing your first feature, mm -hmm. you know. And Jason Siegel, very uh, talented writer as well. Oh, yeah, I think. Sarah Marshall's right yeah, there. yeah. Um, but it is interesting. I mean, in terms of diversity, it's shocking. Uh, yeah. You know, like, and I think to be honest, that is a bit of a Judd Apatow issue. Like, yeah, there's, yeah. I, you know, like almost all his movies are pretty like freaking white. Yeah, you I'm know, to single was Chris Rock and Funny People for a little while, possibly. Uh, yeah, and there's also that ups. brilliant um, yeah. Ameri uh, actor. Uh, he plays the black bouncer in Knocked Up, uh, and he's in another one of them as well. I can't remember what his name is. But literally, I mean, yeah. we're able yeah. to pluck two yeah, yeah, yeah. out of a, a what, 30 year career. So there's, you know, mm. there's those elements to it. I also, to be honest, like this is a little bit like uh, sacrilegious, but I think that, yes, it was brilliant. It was a brilliant series, but it's an hour 
it's an hour of television. It's like 45 minutes without ads. Prestige telly. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, I do think they could have perhaps pitched it to be a tiny bit more commercial and not by changing the storylines or including other characters like the jocks or whatever, mm. but just in terms of just probably tightening things up a bit. Mm. It's a very, it's very, it's like super realism. It's very low key. The comedy is great. Like it is really good, mm. but it's not like playing laugh, laugh, laughs. You know what I mean? Yeah. So playing devil's advocate, of, I think they could have made time. it a bit more kind of... Mm. I think it's, I, mean, I think it's writer's strike vibes. It's before it's time. Like, it's 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 serious. But I don't know if you it know? could, say, hold the millennial attention span. Like, yeah. do you know what I mean? It's because it's like, say, you know, we're really accustomed to like, yeah. you know, 45 minute TV drama, but it's fucking 24 or it's, you or know, doll or something or yeah. killing yeah. Eve. And it's like heavily mm. kind of plot driven. And like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's sad That's to the me one that thing I think is it's almost too low key. Though. There should be space for that kind of muted examination work. And like, mm. it's good just be me being a fucking... And the pacing Our of it hell, is like, essential. Yeah. yeah. For like, the atmosphere of it, yes, I yeah. agree. Probably it's about study. as much happens in oh, an yeah. episode as happens in an episode of Girls, I would say. Um, but so. it's yeah. nearly three Girls times is, the length. Yeah, <laughs> yeah true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it is brilliant. And I love the love for it. Like, so, you know, obviously I, I spent a fair bit of time really on Reddit this oh, week Reddit. to enjoy just the fandom. And there is no fandom like it. Like... There's a great thread on Reddit where everyone's just talking about their favorite cringiest moments. And it's so fun. Like just, I suppose, just have people with passion, like a very specific passion. Mm. Um, You know, just even like the latest posts on this is like still just about two months ago. Like people are still so excited about all the cringy moments. So yeah, there's my absolute thesis. Well, and so we can't actually. I do need to just say two words before we wrap up. Parisian night suit. The blue. Sam's yeah. jumpsuit. Yeah. Oh god, that is my favorite cringy moment. Yeah, that is perfect. Yeah, truly yeah. perfect. There's something about just men in powder blue just doesn't. It, it's always comedy. I don't know. I know. It is. Yeah, it's perfect. It's you have to do so little for <laughs> yeah. that to land. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, thank you Here so much for letting Sophie. me exercise you, all my feelings that about that. Great, Tell so. us where we can find you. Oh yes. Your stuff. Um. So you can follow me at Sophie underscore White underscore. I am so close to 5,000. Come on, guys. <laughs> I am openly, openly desperate for this. Uh, you can listen to me on Mother of Pod or The Creep Dive, both in the Tall Tales family. You can buy my new book in September. It's called Filter This. Look out for it. Very, Very soon. soon. Or you yeah. can buy my old book, <laughs> that old thing, called Recipes for a Nervous Breakdown. great and gorgeous and full of really delicious shit. Like I've recently gotten through it and I'm just like pawing it softly. It's a <sighs> fantastic read. Thank you. Yeah. Still available on Amazon. Gorgeous hardback also. Like oh, it's, not it's, massive uh, cover. Graham too. Gorgeous designer. Outstanding. Thank you so much for having me. Thank, Thank you. you for coming. Find right. me at Alan underscore McGuire on Twitter. Uh, Find Sarah. At Grisky on Twitter also. <laughs> You're doing it. You're getting there. I write books. <laughs> uh, the most recent one is called Other Words for Smoke. Uh, the first one is called Sparing Vampires. And if you're into the real deep dive, you can read Not Lost, which is my 
my, my, my non-fiction book that I wrote in 2013, which kind of still owns. Whatever, it's cool. Um, so yeah, I write books. Follow me on Twitter. Uh, my Instagram's pretty good too. I have a big cat. He's very entertaining. Um, uh, follow Juvenalia on all the places. Yeah. It's just Juvenalia underscore something, probably. Uh, thanks to Dean McDonald for our artwork. Hi, Thank Dee. you to Cassie for um, napping. Us. Having a nice nap yeah. this episode. <laughs> <laughs> and for producing this episode. And thank yeah. you to Tall Tales. And yeah, go listen to The Creep Dive and Mother of Pod and all the other Tall Tales podcasts. Yeah. Bye, everybody. Bye. Oh, also, we have a Patreon. Yes. Bye. That's very important. Okay, bye. <laughs>